The pre-med path can be super confusing. If you'd love some help on your path or on your applications, use the promo code PMY for pre-med years, PMY over at medicalschoolhq.net and get some help from some of our experts, former directors of admissions, admissions officers, other experts. We have a small team ready to help you today. Again, that's promo code PMY to get a discount on our services at medicalschoolhq.net. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm gonna show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Pre-Med Years is part of the MedEd Media Network at mededmedia.com. This is the Pre-Med Year, session number 237. Hello and welcome to the now three-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to the Pre-Med Years Podcast. If this is your first time here, welcome. If this is not your first time here, welcome back. Back by popular demand. Last week, we had the hashtag bring Allison back. And so I think there was one person that said bring Allison back. So I brought her back. You are so rude. There there were a couple more than one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you That's know, right. I, I feel like, anyway, poor treatment by the host, and yet I still come back. And you come That's back. That's because I'm dedicated to all of you. Of course you are. So welcome back, Allison. So you heard me mention at the beginning, three-time nominee for the Academy of Podcasters Best Science in Medicine podcast. Of course, I'll probably lose again. Well, you're up against NPR and like Invisibilia. That's okay. That's okay. I'm nominated. That's all that matters. That's awesome. Three times. I don't know how I keep getting nominated. Somebody out there knows me. Because it's a great podcast. It's a good show. I'll take it. All right. But you have other really huge news today. Yeah. So as we're recording this, we're recording it on June 6th, 2017. My book, The Pre-Med Playbook, Guide to the Medical School Interview, is officially released as of today. I know a lot of you have been getting it already, being shipped from Amazon, shipped from Barnes & Noble. Those of you, uh, I appreciate all of you that have pre-ordered it. Um, Moving forward, I'm going to announce something for students that haven't pre-ordered it yet, wanted to see, wait, wanted to go look at it in the bookstore. I'm going to announce something soon for those that want to go get it in the bookstore to drive some people there. I tried to go to the bookstore today. We tried to go to the bookstore today to uh, go look at it and take a picture with it in the bookstore and and sign a copy and kind of hide it back in the bookstore. But they didn't have it. Yeah, it was kind of a letdown. They were supposed to have it. They were. There was a warehouse problem. But I am so proud of you. Your friends and family, and I know all of you out there, are so proud of Ryan. Oh, thanks. I think it's so awesome. Oh, thanks. And I asked him today, did he ever think he would be a published author? And he said... No. Yeah, so this is like a super awesome moment. I'll take it. Got some more books in the works. Yay for you. Not resting on my laurels. So, all right. I want to today 
pull some questions from the Hangouts. If you're not part of the Hangout, why not? MedicalSchoolHQ.net slash group. It's a private Facebook group specifically for pre-meds and medical students in the U.S. and Canada. We try to limit to that geography so that we're not getting questions about the the European healthcare system and what it's like to apply to medical school in Europe or Australia, anywhere else. So I try to limit to just the U.S. and Canada. So hopefully come join us there, a very collaborative environment. So I went through, pulled some questions, and I actually want to start with a story that came out of, I forget the newspaper, but it was out of Harvard. 10 undergrad students, at least at this point, 10 undergrad students had their admissions withdrawn after it came to light that there was this private Facebook group that they were part of, that it was like 100 students or so, that all of the new new acceptances for the class of 2021 formed this super private, super raunchy Facebook group sharing memes of lots of bad stuff. Spickle. Yeah. And so somebody turned them in, which I'm okay with. And, uh, and so the administration looked at these memes. Somehow they, they obviously... Whoever turned them in, obviously, most likely let them see their Facebook account to see what was going on. And and 10 students were had their acceptances withdrawn. So the moral of this story is do not put anything out there on the internet that you wouldn't want your grandma seeing. Yeah, social media has become just a part of life. And people, when you interview for a job, people look at your Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat accounts and admissions officers. I mean, part of the article about these students was about how many admissions officers now look through someone's social media profile to get more information on them. So be so careful. A lot of people will change their name on social media when they apply to school. Um, But also, don't be a bad human, please. Yeah, there, there's humor. There's dark humor. Yeah, that was and a little then, bit beyond dark humor. The kinds of stuff they were joking about. You know, I mean, talk with your friends, like you know, in person. You know, don't post things that are despicable online, please. Yeah, it's just you know, miserable. And just so you know, for you students out there, if, if you are on Facebook not using your real name, not using a name that can be found on an ID that you have. You're actually breaking Facebook's terms of service. And if you ever have an issue with your account, you'll probably never get your account back because you can't verify your name. They won't give you access to your account. So know that. You're supposed to be using a real name, a name that your friends would call you. Yeah. Hopefully you have good friends that call you nice names. That was just a sad story all around. But I think your, yeah, your message is a good one. No acceptance is set in stone. So just because you've gotten that letter, it's, yeah, you know. You have to carry yourself well wherever you go. All right, so moving on to more of a question here. A student recently joined the Hangout and said that she was having problems staying motivated to study for the MCAT while also working full-time. How do you stay motivated? How did you stay motivated in medical school? I don't know if you can remember all the way back to the MCAT days. Well, that's pre-med school. I know. Oh. The MCAT days, but I'm talking about med school, staying motivated to study all the time. I and mean, that was our full-time job. But how do, how do you stay motivated? 
Uh, for me, I've always enjoyed school, so it's a little different. But the MCAT, <laughs> yeah. on the other hand, nobody likes studying for the MCAT. As much as I even like take, taking tests, the MCAT was painful. I think I've always been a future thinker, and I'm always thinking about what I'm doing is in service of my future goal. So I think about my future and the future I am living into, and that gives me... Um, that gives me excitement and drive and ambition to put myself really to, to plug myself into what I'm doing 150% so that I can um, get to that future to live into that future. Yeah. There was something I posted recently on Instagram. If you're on Instagram, you don't follow me, go ahead and follow me. We can, we can hang out on Instagram. There was something that came up that I, I posted something about you're not studying for the MCAT. You're training yourself how to be a lifelong learner for your future patients. You're not, uh, I forget the other analogies, metaphors, whatever that I used, but when you're studying for the MCAT, don't think of it as just studying for this one test. Go in and and think about it as preparing yourself for the future, as as you just said. Think about it as, preparing for that patient that you're going to be treating. When you think about it that way, it, it helps. But I have, a, I have a better tip. Well, I have some others too. So <laughs> mine, mine's the best, so I'll go first. <laughs> when you're studying, working full-time is hard when you're studying for the MCAT. But if that's what you need to do, then fine. But you also need to find time to shadow. Oh, this is do mine. clinical experience. <laughs> this is totally mine. No, this it's mine. Like, no, okay, you, we'll share you, it. You need to stay involved in some way as as much as you can or as little as you can get away with, however that works. You need to stay involved so that you can see what you're working towards. When you're face down working full time and then you come home, put the kids to bed and then you crack open the MCAT books, and that's your life, you forget what it is that you're doing and why you're doing it. So when you're, when you're struggling sitting through that seven and a half hour full length and you're, you're not improving your scores and you're pulling your hair out, you, you have to maintain some sort of clinical experience so that you can be around patients and, and you understand why it is that you're doing it. Yeah, so that's exactly what... I was going to say. You've probably listened to my podcast before. <laughs> no, I was actually thinking back to when I studied for the MCAT and what I was doing because I took a gap year between college and med school to apply and do my MCAT and all of that. And I was involved in patient care. I was doing different, um, I was involved in two different internships and the first one had patient care. And that really gave me drive because I could think about those patient experiences and apply them and think about, okay, well, as much as I am not enjoying studying physics right now as part of my MCAT studying, that is, you know, thinking about the patient care experiences that I had had that day gave me, uh, again, just helped build that excitement, that ambition, that drive and kept me going. Yeah. So that's how you can stay motivated during any part of this process. Even even during medical school, go out and shadow. Uh, I think as a pre-med, you forget or you assume that once you're in medical school, you stop shadowing, but that's not the case at all. You can continue to shadow as a medical student being involved in whatever specialty you're interested in or possibly interested in. I know you shadow during uh, between first and second year, that, that break there. 
So you shadow as a resident. Shadowing, I mean, yeah, keep, shadowing doesn't end. <laughs> you shadow for as long as it takes until you get to the specialty or whatever career you're going to do. <laughs> Lifelong learning. Yeah, I have a resident shadowing me tomorrow in clinic. Yeah, that's how it works. All right. So next question here, a little bit more specific. A student getting ready to submit their AMCAS application haven't hasn't taken the MCAT yet, and wants to play this game that I hear a lot. And they want to apply to just one school to get verified. And and then when they get their MCAT score back, then they'll submit the rest of their applications. If they like their score. If they like their score. Here's my problem with that. What, what do you think about that? Well, I know we talked about this the other day, and my feeling was that didn't make a lot of sense. It... it it makes sense. Well, I understand why, yeah. but I don't think it's a good idea. It, it Logically, you're like, oh, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. But here's the problem with it. That thinking goes along with the thinking that I'm going to apply to schools based on my MCAT score, which I don't agree with to start with. It also, let's, let's break down the timeline here. If you submit your applications, let's say mid-June, right? It's right, right around where we are now. For this student, taking a June 29th date, their MCAT score isn't coming out until August 1st, I believe, right around there. So August 1st, they're going to look at their MCAT score and go, okay, I got a 505 or 504 or 507, whatever it is. Then they're going to look through the MSAR, the the medical school admissions requirements uh, websites that the AAMC gives you, and they're going to go, okay, based on my score, here's here are the schools that I want to apply to now. Then they'll add those schools. The schools will get notified basically immediately that this student has applied to them. Assuming everything else is done, letters of recommendations are in, obviously the MCAT score is back, the school is going to see that as, as an application and they're going to most likely send a secondary application, right? A request for secondary essays. Most schools will send those automatically. When you do that, you are delaying your ability to pre-write those secondary essays. So from June 29th to August 1st, when you select the schools that you're applying to, there's a month there where you could be writing secondary applications, but you don't know what schools you're applying to yet. So it's, it's this dead space where you're not getting anything done. Well, and it's also late, isn't it? I mean, because then by the time you get your secondaries in, then... Assuming they can turn around the secondaries in two weeks. But still you're looking at what? September? Oh, it's mid-August. That's still... I mean... It's it's not early. It's not ideal. But it's going to be late anyway, beginning of August, because that's when their applications complete with that MCAT score. Right. So it's, it's delaying even a couple more weeks because of those secondary applications. Whereas if you pick all the schools that you're going to apply to and say, you know what, and this kind of goes back to my don't have a plan B discussion. When you pick one school, you're giving yourself psychologically an out, right? You're saying, it's okay. I've only applied to one school. If, if I bomb the MCAT, that's okay, right? Versus I applied to 20 schools. It cost me a crap ton of money. I'm going to get a great MCAT score. That doesn't always work out, 
that, but then you, you course correct and figure out from there. But don't go in with the plan B going, it's okay, I can always cancel my applications. So if you go in with your full list, your 20 schools, June 29th or June 30th, the day after your test, maybe give yourself an extra day. Is there 31 days in June? I always forget. No, there no. are 30. Okay. Oh, my so July friend. 1st, I always forget. I, I have to do the to knuckle, do the knuckle thing. Yeah, the knuckle <laughs> trick. Uh, so July 1st, give yourself a day off. July 1st, if you know the schools you're applying to, then you can start writing your secondary applications, your essays. And come August 1st, when your score hits, you're done. You, there's nothing else for you to do. Then it's just a matter of the schools looking at your complete application because they're ready for it. So that's my thought on that. Logically, it makes sense. But when you factor in everything else, it, it doesn't make sense. And it's not, the, it's not a game I like to play. Yeah. Because that's what it is. It's a game. Yeah. Well said. All right. So another question here. AMCAS, or no, a Comus application has been verified. So this is more of a technical question. This is a quick one. Does that mean the medical school programs can view the application as soon as it's verified? The answer is yes and no. So at the very beginning of the application cycle, the application services de delay sending off the first batch of applications until a set date. I forget the date for Comus this year. It was either the 7th or 15th, something like that, where the first batch of applications were going to go out. After that date... As soon as you're verified, the school gets it. For MCAS, that date this year for 2017 is June 30th. It's a little bit later. Last year, I think it was June 24th. So that first batch, if you apply early, you get verified. Your applications aren't getting out to the schools until June 30th. After that, they'll get them immediately. So that's a, a technical question. Anything to add to there? Well, there's a second question on there. Oh, there is? Yeah. See, uh, the second question I have. Should I contact the programs individually? No. Well, if I add if I add more letters of recommendation, oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> should I should I add or should I contact programs individually if I add more letters of recommendation and more extracurricular activities? So you can't add extracurricular activities, uh, at least for the AMCAS. I'm not sure about a Comus off the top of my head. Um, the a AMCAS it's is just fifteen, right? Well, it's fifteen, but if if they only put thirteen, they want to add another one later. Uh, I had this question from a student recently, but I only looked at the MCAS rules. The MCAS only lets you, I think it's six or seven different things that you can change on an MCAS application after you submit it. Um, but extracurricular activities aren't one of those for MCAS. A Comus, I'm not sure, and that's what the student is asking. I should have looked up that answer. I, I didn't see the second question. But anyway, the uh, letters of recommendation, those will get added. The, the schools will see that. You don't need to contact them individually. So don't worry about that. All right, so next one. Okay, next question. Is shadowing a military physician on base viewed the same as shadowing at a regular hospital? What do you think? I would think so, as long as it's Doctor's a clinical. A doctor. Yeah, yeah, clinic is clinic, no matter what it is. Yeah, so physician is a physician, medicine is medicine, patient care is patient care. The, the only asterisk that I would put on this, having been a military physician, is that it's really hard to shadow a military doc if you don't have access to the base already. Uh, even when you do have access to the base, it's up to the the chief medical officer, basically, uh, whoever that is for whatever branch of, of service that you're looking at shadowing. Uh, it's up to them to decide what their rules are for shadowing. So 
it, it's kind of like any other hospital clinic setting that shadowing uh, rules are different everywhere. But for a military hospital, a military clinic, it's even harder because then you need access to the base as well. And given our heightened level of security these days, access to the base typically isn't given unless it's really needed. Did you ever have anybody? Uh, did you ever have anybody uh, shadow you as a military physician? No, not that I know of. No, I don't just, remember. You just had a lot of airmen. Come yeah, back to you. A, a student that I'm working with this application cycle, she's in the military applying to medical school, and she shadows physicians at her base. So what does she do? But she's it doesn't matter. But oh well, I was just curious. Yeah, it no, because there are probably certain things that you do in the military that would make it easier to shadow a military physician. That's why I'm asking. No, it's just access to the base. Really, yeah, it helps. All right. So next question here: a dilemma about residency. This student is from California, still has the option to become a resident of California, currently a resident of Florida, applying next year to medical school, asking about changing residency in order to have a better chance of getting in back home in California. Or should I keep my residency status in Florida? What do you think about that? If you want to go back to California, you should definitely change your residency back to California. It's very, very hard to get into California medical schools from out of state. So if you want to go to school in California, then change your residency back. That's what I would say. Yeah, it, it's as simple as that. What do you want? Do you want to go to California or do you want to go to Florida? Obviously, there's, there's, no, there's no safety net anywhere. Like, oh, if you change your residency to California, you'll get into a, a California school. There's no guarantee. You could move to California and get into a Florida school and now you're, you're an out-of-state resident uh, paying out-of-state tuition. So there's no guarantees. But I, I've talked to a lot of students in the middle of their application cycle are moving. And I'm like, really? why are you moving? You're risking being a non-resident everywhere. Yeah. Right? If, if you leave one state then depending on the state rules and laws, whatever their residency laws are, and I'll give you a specific case here in a second, uh, but you're, you're possibly losing the residency of the state that you're moving from, and it typically takes a year to get residency to the state you're moving to. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to screw yourself and, and be a resident of nowhere. Be like that... Um, is that Tom Hanks movie where he's stuck in the terminal? Oh, yeah. oh it's called Terminal, isn't it? Yeah, he's stuck in the terminal because he doesn't have a he doesn't have a visa. He doesn't, he doesn't belong to a country. Yeah. So it, one student that I'm working with this year, she's moving from Kentucky to Texas, and I said, "Don't do it." Luckily, for some reason, Texas not Texas, Kentucky, and I don't know if it's a statewide thing or just the University of Kentucky. I said, "Call the schools, call the states, find out what all of the rules are." So she called the University of Kentucky. Her parents live in Kentucky, still have a house in Kentucky. Based on that fact alone, University of Kentucky still considers her an in-state resident, even if wow. she's living in Texas. Even though she's- As a non-student. Wow, interesting. She's a non-trad, out of school. And she's not a minor, clearly. Correct. Yeah, that's interesting. So if you're planning on moving anytime around to applications, talk to schools, talk to states, figure out what the rules are around that important that is one of the things you can change on your application after you've submitted it is it your address yes i remember that specifically cool good to know mm -hmm. name address letters of recommendations I, I don't have the full list in front of me but those are some of them obviously schools you can add schools to your mm -hmm. list yep. 
All right. So not a question, but a general statement. I found out today that I'll be speaking at the UC Davis pre-health conference, the pre-med conference. Very exciting. Which is pretty cool. It's the, the world's, like, I think it's the world's largest pre-med conference to, uh, at crazy. UC Davis every year. I think they're expecting 4,500 students this year. Wow. Which is a ton. I'll be speaking about non-trads, since obviously I love non-trads and being part of old pre-meds or being old pre-meds. Um, I'll be speaking about how non-trads should be able to know their worth as a non-trad, know why their story is important and how to tell it. Very cool. So if you're in the area or if you can make the trip, it's October 7th at UC Davis. Obviously, Davis, California. You fly into Sacramento, I think, is the closest place to fly into if you're flying in. And I I know I met a couple people there last year, flew in from Texas, flew in from other places, not just to meet me, but I'd like to think that they wanted to meet me. <laughs> no? Uh, yeah, no, probably not. Okay. Are you going to be talking outside in the tent? I will. I will have a table. Yeah. But you, that's where you're going to be talking from? No, no, no. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. it'll be a normal oh. whatever. Good. Yeah. I'm not going to be at the tent. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Gather round. Hear ye, Seriously, hear ye. like up on a like, soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Come listen to me. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. All right. That's in October, if you were wondering. October 7th. Right before my birthday. Yeah, October 8th. That's my birthday. Yeah. It was on your birthday last year. You, it was. You were mad at me. Yeah, well, hello. You scheduled a conference on my birthday and on our anniversary. So that's not exactly husband 101 good behavior. I didn't schedule the conferences. Oh, that's just yeah. when they were. And you still haven't made it up to me. Good job. <laughs> anyway, so next question here. This is this is a great question. I love this one. So pay, Hashtag pay roses attention. for Allison tomorrow. You're allergic to flowers. <laughs> Damn it. I got lucky with that one. Anyway, <laughs> so next question. How do you all, y'all, this, this, they put y'all, how do you deal with family that doesn't seem to understand that to have a good grade, they said Mark, so I'm assuming they're Canadian. That's, yeah, that's Canada. To have a good grade, you have to study. I did my undergrad away from home, so it's actually a first that I am studying the entire summer for the MCAT at home. Their family keeps bothering them almost two days late into their MCAT studying plan already. They tried explaining to the family and their philosophy is, well, you're smart, you're going to do well. But his philosophy, the student's philosophy is, I I can't do well if I don't study. Do you ever have a problem like trying to explain to people like my head has to be down? Obviously in medical school, explaining to friends and family what life was like and, and how like, I'm not coming to birthdays. I'm not coming to holidays. I need to study. How do you how do you have those conversations with family and friends? Yeah, that is a hard thing in medical school in particular when you are studying all the time and people don't understand why you're not being a good friend, keeping in touch with people, making it to different events. I remember in residency that was hard too. People didn't have a good understanding and there becomes this sort of uh, drift, what's the word I'm looking for? This divide where you just feel like separated because people don't, they don't understand why you have to be studying all the time. But that does begin somewhat um, or a lot as a pre-med because you're also having to study a lot. And I think you just do the best you can. At the end of the day, if your family loves you, they'll let you be. And they don't, they don't need to get it because 
they're not going to medical school. You are. You're you're the one who needs to study. You're the one who's going to take the MCAT. So if they can love you and, and support you and let you be, great. If they can't, then go to a library, go to a bookshop and yeah. just get space. Um, don't let your family or friends' concerns and you know opinions and feelings get in the way of what you are uh, there to do. Yeah, this is your goal. If your goal is to become a physician, then the sacrifices that you have to make include saying no to family and friends. Yeah. And I've talked about delayed gratification in the past. It was something that I struggled with during my undergrad years, delaying gratification. Friends were going out on a Friday night and I was supposed to be studying for the MCAT and I decided to go out and have fun with friends and and party. And so it was it's hard. But if this is what you want, and, and this situation is different, obviously, for family. Really, I think what you need to do is just get out to a coffee shop or a library or somewhere just to set that boundary. And they'll get it eventually. It is a very long journey. And I. it's funny because in clinic um, at work every now and then people will ask me, oh, how many years did it take you to get here? And I tell them, well, there are four years of college, four years of medical school, four years of residency, one year of fellowship. So 12 plus and people just sort of look at me with like an open jaw. And so people don't get it. It's they they're amazed and just they it's it's very it's just not normal for most people to have to spend that much time, that much time with your nose in a book and, and that much time studying and working and not sleeping and not eating and all those things. So it's, if they don't get it, that's okay. It's probably the beginning of them not getting it for quite a long time. So get used to it and know that uh, there are other people that are studying just like you who are pre-med who do get it. So go to the hangout and vent. Yeah. <laughs> Go to the Hangout and Vent, medicalschoolhq.net slash group. All right, so those are the questions that I pulled tonight from the Hangout. If you're not part of the Hangout, again, medicalschoolhq.net. Allison, thank you for joining me tonight. Thanks for having me. Thank thank the listeners for yes, putting thank the effort in. Yes, thank you guys. In. I appreciate your support so much, especially with this rough host over here. You know, <laughs> it gives me a hard time. But I come back for all of you, and I appreciate your love, and I think you guys are awesome, and keep up the good work. So I mentioned the third nomination for Best Podcast in Science and Medicine. That is happening at the end of August. August? Yeah, end of August in Southern California in Anaheim, uh, I will probably be doing a meetup then, so stay tuned for that. Again, another good reason to be part of the Hangouts. I'll put that event in the Hangout. So end of August, the the conference is 23, 24, 25. I'm going to try to add some days there to speak at some postback programs and some other programs as well. So I'll, I will definitely be doing a meetup hanging out with you, hopefully, if you live in the area. I know a bunch of you do. So yeah, I think that is all I have. So October at UC Davis, so Northern California, August, Southern California, November in Florida is Pre-Med Fest. Again, I'll have some more details of that coming soon. So that is all I have for you today. Thank you again for joining us here every week. Hopefully, if you're not subscribed, please subscribe in your podcast app. Open it up, whether you're on an Android or an iPhone, subscribe so that every week you get hopefully Allison and me here on your podcast player of choice. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here at the Medical School Headquarters and the Pre-Med Years Podcast.